1: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Rebecca Moore. Rebecca is the co-founder of Starboard Equity, a real estate syndication company and a passive investor. She was able to learn the Dallas market and syndicate apartment buildings all while living in California. Through persistence and determination, Rebecca was able to move from San Diego to Dallas. In the solitude of her private psychology practice to launch, into fuller personal friendships and financial abundance that multifamily syndication and investing can bring. Rebecca goes into numerous things today about her transition from a full-time psychologist to full-time real estate syndicator and operator. It's an incredible story what she did to make that happen. I mean, even the willingness to flying many, many, many weekends from California to Dallas and networking, meeting people, educating herself to make it happen. And then completely moving to Texas to continue to grow those relationships and build her business. She goes into a few different things, numerous different things that helped her to scale, helped her to move fast and how she did that. I know you're going to learn a lot and enjoy the show today. Rebecca, welcome to the show. I've enjoyed just even reading some of your bio, and it's encouraging seeing people who have seen this business, right? The real estate syndication business, and then went and learned the business and made it happen. I know you are going to be encouraging to our listeners today, both on the passive side and the active side, but just how you have managed to do this. But get us started on your background, your focus right now in your business, and let's dive into that, how you've accomplished what you have.
0: Okay, Whitney. Well, thanks again for having me on the show. Yes, it's been a long road to learn syndication. So the background story is that I am married to a retired now Navy officer, and I still am, to a smaller degree, a psychologist. And I say to a smaller degree because I only have a few patients because I've been able to leave that life behind. But Initially, my husband and I, we had a number of single family homes that we would buy in places that we were stationed. So we had some in Virginia, we had one down in Corpus Christi. And as we were moving toward retirement, we said, gosh, what are we going to do with all these houses? So we thought maybe we'll get a duplex or a fourplex or something along those lines and with that, we started to seek out people to help us learn how to do multifamily, but on a smaller degree, we didn't even know about syndication. And so that's in a nutshell where we started.
1: Okay. Because you all were moving around, you started buying rentals or single family homes in those locations. What did that grow to approximately, or how many homes before you realized about, hey, there may be a better option out there called syndication?
0: only three homes. But again, they were all spread out. And so we had property managers for each of them. So we felt pretty comfortable having places far away from us because at that time, we were living in San Diego. So again, far away. So, you know, again, as the retirement was coming up, that's where we thought we need to put this all under one roof.
1: What exposed you to the world of real estate syndication?
0: When we started looking for folks that could teach us how to buy a duplex, we went to an REI expo and listened to multiple people talk about buying apartment buildings. And that's where we were introduced to the idea of syndication. And so we found a person who had his educational program and we thought, okay, well, this sounds very, very interesting. And it ended up, we both, Warren and I, we looked at each other and said, well, let's try this out. But this person was located in Dallas, Texas. So the following week after being out in Anaheim, listening to this person, we flew out to Dallas, listened to what he had to say. And basically it was, I have an education if you want it, here it is. And so Warren and I said, yes. We would like to be educated about syndication. And that's where it all began.
1: Nice. Now, it's awesome that you all jumped right in. You found a program or coach, mentor. What were a couple of the next things that happened that helped you to move fast?
0: Well, Warren had to take over a squadron there in San Diego. So he basically said, Rebecca, you go ahead and go to Dallas and learn. (laughs) Like I have a a 40-hour-a-week job as well, but... Every weekend that I could, I would go out to Dallas. I would fly out there when this mentor was having an event. And within the events, you know, there were so many people to network with. And I was able to find a person to partner with. And that's where I really started to dig down into the numbers and learn the numbers, as well as with each event we would go to properties and I would learn what, at the time, what a C-class property was and how you can add value to each type of property and to the apartment itself, to the interior, to the exterior. So learning each piece was incredibly valuable as well as the market. So I would stay on the tail ends of the weekend on a Monday and a Friday And I would tour these properties with the brokers in order to create relationships. So it was a lot of work, but that's how I was able to learn more and more about the business in a state that it made sense because in California, you're not buying for value add necessarily. It's more appreciation.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A couple of things I wanted to bring out there because you didn't let the distance hold you back right? I mean, you were flying there on the weekends to meet people, to learn, to educate yourself, and even found a partner through that process. But also, you didn't let your J-O-B, the time of the J-O-B hold you back either. And i just stressing to listeners, this doesn't just happen because you just done a couple of hard things over a couple of weekends. It's like, you have to be willing to go out there and make things happen. I mean, you were working full-time, a full-time family as well. You know, I have a very similar story. And you were flying over the weekends to go learn this. I mean, you had expense there. You had time away from family. That's what it takes, right? More times than not. But how did you manage that much time spent, say, away from family or your husband or your practice even? How did you juggle that during that time?
0: Well, as you were saying, you just have to make it happen. So let's estimate it was about once a month, that I was going out to Dallas. And so again, those tail ends, you just have to take those Mondays and Fridays off. Again, once a month, it's not gonna hurt your job. For me, I was able to eventually get into private practice. So I was making my own hours. However, before I was working in a hospital, you just have to take the time off. You have to square away family matters and budget so that you have that extra money to get that plane ticket, to stay in that hotel, to have the rental car. It hurts a little bit up front, but I have the belief, and Warren helped me as well, because I'm a little bit on the cheaper side. He had to have the belief we're doing this business to help create the lifestyle that we want and that we want to help other people to have. So flying should not hurt this bad, you know? Otherwise, you can have the money for a flight and for a hotel. It's okay because in the future, we're going to have more.
1: It's an investment, no doubt about it, in yourself, in your business. But during that process too, you found a partner you mentioned. Speak to that a little bit, maybe how you found this person, how you knew that they were a good fit, and then how that also helped you to move forward faster.
0: Yes, very good. We had met a couple of times at the gatherings together. He is an engineer And so he's great with numbers. I'm a social scientist. I'm great with people. (laughs) So together, our strengths were a perfect match. And so we would talk on the phone all the time throughout the week, talking about the Dallas area, talking about the numbers. And he would be able to really help me to understand how to underwrite. So that was really great. But we nurtured our relationship in the sense of, the fun and the laughter over the conversations that we would have. And we would have to do our best because he too had a wife and children as well. And we would be very respectful of the times, you know, when we were working, but always calling each other back, doing what we told the other person that we would do. Showing up, making the phone calls we said we were going to make.
1: Was he local there to where the Dallas market or where you were flying into? Correct. Yes, he was. So I think even to that potential partner, these people that you're meeting, that shows such a level of commitment from you, right? By flying in and making this happen like that, them knowing you have all this going on. So I think that speaks volumes to people that are also looking for partners when they're kind of sizing you up, right? Could they make a good partner for me? What kind of skill sets do we have? Things like that. No doubt about it. Anything else that maybe after that has helped you all to move forward to your first deal? Things like that.
0: In getting to know the market very well over the years, then I've been able to accelerate my purchasing power by knowing the markets that I liked out here in Dallas. And so that has been very helpful as well as getting to know the brokers very well. So again, on those tail ends of the weekends, taking them out for coffee, making sure I would tour a property that I liked. It's an efficient use of your time to get with that broker and to do something very productive because they want to see your face. They want to get to know you face-to-face rather than just, let's say, the California buyer, which has that, I say, they have these quotes that I'm putting up for those people who can't see it. You're considered, oh, the rich person who can just throw their money around, which isn't always true for all of my friends out there in California who know that that's not true. However. They want to build a relationship with you to know more about your personality and that you're actually going to follow through. You're going to show up. So it's a great way to make your time when you're traveling from out of state. For yeah.
1: people. I've seen it personally so many times when you are willing to fly there, it not only affects the people you know you're potentially partnering with but brokers. I mean everyone sees that you are committed in a big way and to flip that a little bit, how did you decide that that was worth doing? Your husband i mean, was he on board with that? How did you all decide that hey it's worth it to move there for this?
0: Well, that was a heart wrenching decision <laughs> it, all based on making our business grow because love the beaches of California. I love the weather, not so much the taxes and a few other things, but it was hard. It was very, very, very hard for me. But my husband being an Air Force brat as a kid, naval officer, he's moved everywhere. It was easy for him to make the move. Dallas is where we've also made a ton of friends through our group here. And now that this is where our properties are and many of our investors are as well, you know, ready made friends are here, and we hope to grow our business much more. So I'm getting used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a nice place.
1: Speak to how you even grew that investor base.
0: Yes. Well, luckily, with our group that we started in and learning syndication, and many of those folks who have joined the group, they became our investors. And so it's sort of ready-made, which is really nice. And because I would fly out all the time and I would show up, you know, again, show up, show up, show up, and always be at all the events, the more and more people that I would meet. And so those are primarily my investors. Now I go to all sorts of real estate events and meetups and educational events. And so that I can meet more people and get investors that way.
1: It again, it just speaks to your willingness to travel and to make it happen. And amongst all those things, I just always stress to the listener because my story is similar. It's not like you have to have all the skills in the very beginning to get started, right? You just start making it happen and being willing to put the time in, which you definitely have done. So what are some ways maybe that you have learned over the last few years to improve your business or ways you've done that, that we could also apply to our business?
0: Yes. First of all, I've hired a VA for the first time. That's kind of the new thing to be able to do some of the small tasks that is not an efficient time for me. So that's been a great way for me to scale a bit. Also, by the time we had our fourth syndication, our team has hired a asset manager. And that has been very efficient as well to help oversee a property. Also another way that we have, let's see, grown in that sense is using a program to be able to have outreach to our investors. It's syndication pro, where we can keep everybody's information, keep it secure, be able to have that outreach. So those are three things right there that have been wonderful to
1: help us scale. Let's dive into a couple of those quickly. You hired a virtual assistant and you started handing off tasks. Where did you find the virtual assistant?
0: She actually found me in LinkedIn. So I did not use a service to find her, even though that I understand might be a very good way to do it. I spoke with her at length to try and vet her, but I wanted to see if we had the same, let's say, values in mind. And she had many of the qualifications that I wanted in a VA and she had some work history that I thought was valuable. And so, so far, so good.
1: What were some of the tasks you first handed off to her?
0: A lot of it is the social media that I do not like to do. And it's simple, just posting and a little bit of interaction is what I've had her help me with. And then some very easy spreadsheet work.
1: Where's she from?
0: The Philippines.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. No, they're great people there. I've got a whole team there. Wonderful. At virtual assistants. Yeah, great people. Very hardworking. One resource that I personally use is called OnlineJobs.ph. I found a ton of great people in the Philippines there, just so the listeners know. That's neat. I've had some reach out to me, just like you're talking about. I've not hired anybody that way, so it's neat to hear that you have. What about the asset manager? How did you find that person? How did you all find an asset manager and know that they were qualified?
0: Well, luckily... One of my teammates found our asset manager, and this person actually worked at the apartment building that my partner lived in. And she, the asset manager, has 15 years of professional management behind her. And so I must give them all the credit that they were able to vet her and get along with her really, really well. And so Again, with her asset management skills, we were very happy to bring her on as part of our team.
1: That's awesome. I'm always interested in how people found the right fit or the right person to bring onto their team because it's such an important decision, right? Hiring. What about, what are some daily habits that you have, Rebecca, that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success?
0: I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one, but as soon as I get up, I go right to the computer, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but I am incredibly disciplined in putting my work first. I don't watch TV, really. I'm disciplined. I don't do Facebook. I don't do tasks that just are mind-numbing, really. I stick with the job, maybe to a fault. (laughs) But on the other hand it's almost addictive in its own way because I really love to underwrite. What is this next building? What does it bring? What are the returns on this next building? And so that might be an addiction in itself, (laughs) enjoying doing the underwriting.
1: On that note, how did you gain a deep level of understanding of underwriting?
0: I really do have to give my friend Dustin Miles a shout out because He was the one, he's the engineer who was able to really give me the understanding of the numbers on a real deep level. And by him allowing me to be his protege and telling me how the numbers work really, really helped a lot. And then years and years of underwriting myself, you get to understand how it's almost like a living breathing entity it's sort of strange how the building how it works itself even on the number sheet it's fascinating really
1: yeah it is interesting to see that happen and just how you start to think about that process as you're doing new projects new properties and time and time again i think you just continue to learn and learn and learn and it gets easier and easier but you have to get started right and it's helpful if you have somebody like that that has all that experience and just kind of can pour into you, save you so much time and figuring out things the hard way. But if you had to pick one thing that's contributed to your success, what would that be?
0: Persistence and determination. I kind of joke around that, you know, I was too dumb to stop going to school. I didn't know when to quit. (laughs) That's sort of the way this is. And everything else in my life, I just don't know really when to quit which is a very much a joke. I do know when to quit, but don't quit. Just keep going. If you want it bad enough, keep going. And you'll learn it. You'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. No one has it figured out in the beginning, do they?
0: No, not at all. But you can learn.
1: How do you like to give back?
0: Oh, yes. Well, I think first of all, on this level with the multifamily giving back is we have a ton of fun doing all sorts of things at, our buildings. So whether it be back to school with backpacks and notebooks and things like that, whether it's a holiday such as Christmas, 4th of July, even Father's Day, we give out pops for pops. I mean, anything that we can do to make the tenant feel special is very important to us. In other ways, we definitely like to give to the military. So anything from the Navy Marine Relief Foundation to the Gary Sinise Foundation. We're pretty military-centric. We like to give back there.
1: Awesome. Rick, I appreciate your time. Pleasure to get to meet you and have you on the show. And it's encouraging to the listeners as well to hear your story. And not just going from any J-O-B either, right? It's not like you just decided to go be a psychologist one day. You did, but that too also took a lot of work, right, to do that, but to make that decision to transition to real estate syndication and that learning and the flying and the job at the same time, it took a lot of input or lots of time, lots of hard work, all right, to say the least. But then you found a mentor, you found a partner, you hired VAs, you hired an asset manager, your team has started to grow. And I just think that's a great process of, hey, how we decided to get started to now we're doing this and making this happen. And so grateful for your time today. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you.
0: Oh, thanks, Whitney. Yes, so we have our website, which is www.starboardequity.com. And so starboard, like the starboard side of a ship. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital,